passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind Around with John Pollock and waiting. The A-Team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around. Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way Take the Mic. Hello everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock along with Wei Ting. How are you? I'm doing pretty well yourself. I'm okay. I'm alright. It's WrestleMania week. I know, yeah. Um which the, do you the, think the weirdest WrestleMania week I think there will ever be? Can we do like a unique rundown this weekend? Can we go through like best editing, best utilization of uh, best elimination of like dead space and, you know, production values are going to be worth like an extra star and a half maybe? Like how will we uh, how, how will we assess these maybe? For like a taped WrestleMania instead yes. of live? Will, will you be watching these with a different eye than usual? Um, I, I mean, I don't think you, you can't really help it because I think the product is going to be so different. Number one, yes, it it will be taped. It'll, it'll also be, be, be taking place in an empty arena. Um, the circumstances will just be incredibly unprecedented. So I don't know you, how I'm going to react. Are you expecting this to look just as though, you know, when, when SmackDown was taped forever and it would just be, you know, it's presented the exact same. You wouldn't even know if you're watching that it was live or not. Do you? Are you expecting like a different style of presentation versus Raw, for instance, tonight that was also taped? Um, I feel like they will try to replicate a uh, live setting. You know, um, nothing nothing to me tells me that they, they would try to hide that. No, no one teleporting throughout the audience or anything like that? No, no, I don't really see that happening. I mean, you know, outside of the arena, maybe anything goes. Who knows? Like certainly the Firefly Fun House segment, I, I would anticipate to be closer to like what we've seen with the House of Horrors. Um, that would probably be very much like a pre pre taped feel, but the rest of the show, um, you know, I think it'll be, it'll look close to live. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see like they, like, could you imagine tonight? Tonight was three hours and WrestleMania, they've got the kickoff and then it's in like a three hour slot. Can you imagine three hours of empty arena matches with maybe maybe you're going to do the on location matches um 
you know, spread, spread them out one per night and then get out of the arena, maybe for some, you know, maybe some 24 seven segments that'll be thrown in there for levity, but just three hours of that. Like if they did not have these breaks on raw, um, and mm-hmm. and promos to lean on t- as well tonight. I thought that was a plus that they leaned more on that and less so on like we had one match really of length tonight. Well, you'll you'll still have your video packages throughout the evening, but you know you're right. Like Raw certainly and and SmackDown really certainly benefit from being able to show older matches, being able to just rely on I think a bigger variety of types of segments. You have a lot more talking segments on those shows. I mean, a pay-per-view you would expect would rely just a lot more on bell-to-bell action. And we, I think we could probably agree that the bell-to-bell action has sort of been the weakest part of these shows, these empty arena shows on TV. So a full three hours of that. I will say, I feel like in the time that they've been doing all these empty arena TV tapings, I feel like they've learned a lot of lessons. You know, they they learned, I think we we can see, not to focus on the emptiness of the of the arena. The first few episodes of Raw or SmackDown, I mean, they made specific specific focus to show show you those wide shots, like lighting the empty chairs to show off the empty chairs. On this episode, I mean, it, I thought it was very different. Where I mean, they've started to tarp off the the chairs themselves. Uh, obviously, changing the hard cam over to the stage camera, but even like going as far as to you know shoot tighter shots whenever people are out there cutting promos, so you don't really get a sense of like the emptiness of the place. I feel like they will take some of those lessons into this pay per view. Uh, but I guess you can really only do so much if the intent is also to have like a 10, even 15 or even 20 minute match. Yeah. I mean, the presentation is kind of where my curiosity lies just to see like what, what, what they do with the, with this time that they've had with these matches and what you can do, because obviously if something comes across and it's in it, you know, there, there are ways around things, but, but how much can you really do with that when you're promising all these matches and how they'll be presented? I guess, from a curiosity standpoint, that's where I'm kind of uh, looking at uh, for this weekend. But we'll have plenty of time this week. It is WrestleMania week, nonetheless, and lots of coverage here at postwrestling.com. The whole schedule, we're doing shows every day this week, including coverage of WrestleMania. So uh, just a few highlights this week. Tuesday night, Wayne and I will be doing Rewind Away for members at postwrestlingcafe.com. And what is on the menu for Tuesday night for the big episode 58? We'll be talking about WCW's World War III from 1995. This is uh, headlined by a 60-man battle royal for the WCW Championship. Against CDC regulations, this match. uh, Completely, yeah. Uh, If it were to take place now, yeah, no, I don't think this would be possible at all. 60 men in three rings, I mean, that that would not fly today. No, not at all. But back then it was totally fine. 60 men, three rings. Uh, as well, I would say this would be a, this is like, I was really impressed at how varied this card was. We also had, uh, Kinsuke Sasaki versus Chris Benoit on this show. We had Akira Hokuto and Bull Nakano taking on Cutie Suzuki and, uh, Mayumi Ozaki here. Um, what else? Johnny B. Bad versus DDP. With Kimberly on the line. Yes, of course. Yeah. What, what else was on this show? Uh, we had, uh, Lex Luger and Randy Savage. We had... Was it Sting and Flair as well yes, on this? That's right, and a and a really hot crowd in a in Norfolk. D- did you say that right? I think so. Okay, well, yes, a really hot crowd, uh, and we haven't really been talking about WCW. I feel in a bit on Rewind Away, so uh, I look forward to that opportunity. So that's on Tuesday night. Thursday, it is the very special 
Too big for just one hour. Cafe Grande Hangout, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. This hangout is free and live for everybody. 2 p.m. Eastern Time, youtube.com slash postwrestling. Go there right now, hit the subscribe button, and tune in Tuesday, Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to have uh, many guests from the post-wrestling family stopping by along with your questions and a chance to also support uh, two great uh, foundations out there as well. Yeah, we'll be uh, taking, basically we'll be selling our shirts, all proceeds of which will be going towards two charities that we've chosen. Uh, one of which is the Sunnybrook Foundation, which is a local hospital here in Toronto who have also been doing a great deal of uh, very groundbreaking research for uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, you know, study and vaccination potentially. And also the New York Community Trust, which is a fund that benefits nonprofit organizations in New York. So uh, those two sources will be taking our uh, T-shirt proceeds as well as any Super Chat proceeds that we get. So if you want to ask a question, you can just ask it anyway. But like uh, to we'll be answering super chat questions uh, probably before any any other ones. And so that'll be YouTube.com slash post wrestling for all that. I'm looking forward to that. Should be a lot of fun on Thursday. And then into the weekend we go and our WrestleMania coverage. Uh, typically for our pay-per-views, they we make the post show live for our double double ice cap and espresso patrons for night one. We're going to make the show live for all members of the post wrestling cafe and then on Sunday night, it will be our regular format where Double Double Espresso Ice Cap patrons can watch the show live, call in as well for either night. And then, of course, as usual, the following morning, the podcast will be available for everyone. But that's uh, the entire schedule can be found up at uh, postwrestling.com. We've also got uh, another Thunderstruck coming out this weekend. The British Wrestling Experience crew is here on Friday, up next on Wednesday. So lots of great shows coming up uh, this week in the lead up to the taped WrestleMania busy as ever here at post wrestling. Very so very much. So let us move on to the news and we're going to start things off with Roman Reigns, who uh, was many steps ahead of the WWE in publicly acknowledging that his match will not be taking place at WrestleMania. He did a, a video on Instagram today and this, this was like really unfortunate, but it's unfortunate the reality that is social media in 2020 that in uh, making this decision, I guess he has gotten flack from some people. And you hate to like even respond to that percentage of people, however minuscule it is, but it does bring about a, a larger fact way. And that is that for people at this level, like you can only imagine how many of these kinds of comments register and and unfortunate that those are the ones that are going to stick with people but it can give you pretty much a sour taste of twitter or any kind of social media in general and i just i, I find it appalling that anyone would have anything negative to say about this individual for his choice to not participate in wrestlemania when i mean so many of his circumstances are known and as he alluded to in here other circumstances that people are not aware of sure yeah um I I was kind of surprised because you know all the all the reaction I personally seen has been people like commending Roman for making a very difficult decision like that to pull himself out. Uh, I can't imagine anybody other than you know just people like just just people who don't assholes. really think assholes, yeah, or people That's just it. like you know just love to like you know talk shit about people for no matter what. 
um you know and 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 if i'm it's too bad because i imagine like roman's getting a lot of support too but unfortunately it is like often the the you know the assholes that kind of have the loudest voice and i'm sure that that you know kind of weighs on him and you know um like like we talk about wrestlers are are kind of like ingrained to persist and you know go through um no matter what and to make a decision like this which i think we all agree is the best decision for himself and really for for the company um he should be commended and to to receive this kind of you know negativity online um it's really uncalled for so i i'm disappointed in that yeah and i i think that you know um i think it's just worth noting that you know a lot of these wrestlers entertainers athletes out there they endure this stuff all the time and and i don't think it's okay that we just kind of well there's always going to be that that minority you got to ignore them that's very hard to ignore sometimes you know what i mean given whatever problems you might be going through and that there's people out there but anyway that's a side rant anyway uh he goes on to say um you don't know the whole story all you know is what you think oh well his health and this and that but you don't know what else is going on in my life you don't know if i have newborns you don't know if i have family in my household older family and he goes on to say uh, to his fans, uh, I'm sorry I didn't get to compete this year and put on a show and entertain, but sometimes things are more important and I had to make a choice for me and my family. Uh, but no matter what, you already know the deal. I showed, I made the town, I made it to Orlando and I had to make a decision for me, but it doesn't take away from what I've done and what I'm going to do. And goes on saying that he is ready to get back to work, um, I guess once all of this um once he is able to, um, we don't know when that will be, but uh, did did address things and yeah, kind of alluded to you know what it, what other things might be going on in his life that contributed to this decision that I think the guy should absolutely be applauded for. The question about when he would be able to go back to work is is one that's really interesting. We spoke briefly about it with Doctor Patel last last night, but you know un, until there's uh, you know, a uh, new treatment or like an actual breakthrough in, in vaccination with this thing. I mean, can you, how long do you think it will be for somebody like Roman Reigns? Yeah. Um, it, it's really hard to say not being an expert in this field, but to me, um, the idea that in, uh, what would we say? Like, uh, by a week Friday that they would be able to, expect him to be back on SmackDown, I I would not expect that kind of a timetable. I mean, the danger is still going to be there, you know, just to be able to, I mean, he does live in Florida, so he doesn't have to get on a plane, but um, the the same risk will, will still continue to exist. Like, again, I, I don't, th- I hope the company just sits down and realizes, like, this decision should not be on him. This is very much like going to, you know, not the best analogy, but a football player that gets rocked in the middle of a game and the trainer says, well, do you, if you can continue, you can go out there and you're in the middle of the, of a championship game. How many of those players in the, in the heat of that moment are taking themselves out of the game when the trainer is leaving it on the athlete who is trained to move forward through what, whatever adversity and maybe con- concussed. I think that that decision, there's a reason that we have these, these agencies in place that can, protect the athlete from himself because there's going to be that, that pressure and to 
return if the decision is on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So moving on, um, Edge did a big interview with ESPN, and this was interesting, just him going into all the details about his return and sort of this idea kind of came out of a Celtic warrior workout. So if anyone deserves credit, it's, it's Seamus for getting this guy um, with the idea of could I return? He wiped out on his bike, which was last summer. It was right around the, the SummerSlam uh, event. I think it was either just before that or something like that, because I remember him talking about this. And he was relatively unscathed from, from this, this bike crash and then also doing a lot of physicality for the, the Vikings uh, program that he's been doing and ended up meeting with his doctors. And this included going to Birmingham, Alabama, and then meeting with Dr. Joseph Maroon. And he eventually did get cleared. And then it was a case of trying to keep this under wraps and didn't want to go to the Performance Center, didn't want to go to any local independence because the word would get out. So WWE shipped him a ring to North Carolina and he relied on training with his wife and with the revival who lived nearby in Asheville. It's a really cool story. And I ended up watching that wipeout on that Celtic warrior video. They were going mountain biking. And then it was like this little hill that like edge just like went over and then just boom flat. And it, it looked rough, but interesting how like the mind of a wrestler works. I was able to survive this injury. Therefore, I'm going to subject my body to more punishment. That's such a great observation. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> here we what? are. This, like, if he got hit by a car, like, he Jeez. might have thought, I'm going to go full-time back in. Oh, man. Um, I'm so. going to be a UFC fighter. <laughs> Damn. So, anyway, it's a, it's a really good interview. I, I think he did, like, a, a number of interviews promoting this. And, you know, he... he freely admits like yeah there's there's a disappointment level that this is the scenario but like it, it doesn't sound like this is a guy that's just talking himself into this it's like he sees this as a challenge and i'm just really happy to be part of this and i'll say like i'm i think like this program has been a home run and mm-hmm. given like edge that he's had nine years of thought like this is a guy that was always heralded as like damn near genius when it comes to match layout that i think you can't help but be super intrigued by whatever these two uh, end up putting forward in, in this kind of a setting. Certainly like in terms of creativity, in terms of just performance, this has been the feud of WrestleMania. And I would say one of the best feuds of the year in all of wrestling thus far. Um, so I mean, I think he's already more than exceeded my personal expectations of, of, uh, of a comeback. Now all they have to do is just stick the landing. And that's the, to me, in some ways it might even be the biggest challenge of this whole thing because we haven't seen what Edge is like. Uh, you know, they're going to be wrestling in front of a brand new empty arena environment. Who who knows how, how that'll be? So that might actually be the toughest thing of all. But certainly, um, you know, um, I, I, he seems incredibly motivated uh, and incredibly, like, as much as, as disappointing as it might be not to do this in front of, like, a big audience, it feels like this is very much for him a personal challenge. And whether or not there's anybody sitting in the crowd, he can still fulfill that. Uh, Jim Ross had mentioned, you know, as everyone suspected that he hasn't been traveling to Jacksonville because, you know, he's 68 years old. He's in that that higher risk group. And uh, he did uh, a radio interview on Tuesday or on Monday stating that he won't be traveling for the next two weeks. And who and again, any any time timelines that are being thrown out there, I think, are very much subject to change. But um, yeah, they're they're taking their precautions. But 
Uh, he stated like he wants to be working right now. He does not want to be at home. And that's going to be the mentality of a, a lot of people. I definitely feel for somebody like him, you know, like he hasn't been shy about talking about uh, some of the, his personal struggles and, and, you know, um, loneliness really that can come from self-isolation from doing something like, you know, what, what's going on right now. Uh, I hope he's able to fulfill it. I mean, he's got a book coming out, so I think he'll be hopefully plenty busy with interviews and things like that. It's out today. There you go. Right. And, you know, he's got his podcast, but I I, I hope he's able to stay busy. And, you know, I hope AEW is able to, like, create, you know, new new jobs for somebody like him to do and really all their talent that, you know, isn't necessarily wrestling right now. But we've seen, I think, with the creativity of, like, the Bucks and everything they've been able to do online. Um, I'm, I, I really hope to see like new things come out of this portion of time. You know, it would be some great ideas right off the top. Like he, he mentioned in this interview or one of them, he also did a, an observer interview today about like, there is like a local studio he can go to. And I don't know it, how easy it could be, but you could also do this like relatively remotely from your home, just on dynamite. Tony Schiavone interviews him for 10 minutes. It's promoting his book and you do kind of a sit down and Jim Ross can still do some of those sit downs, just not in person. Like there's ways you can do this. And that would take a lot of stress off having to produce all of these, uh, these matches at the moment. Jim Ross has been phenomenal in that role. And there's nothing to say. You can't do some of these interviews with the guys um, that are outside of Florida, which seems to be that's who AEW is relying on right now, as opposed to, people that have to fly in they're kind of just restricting it so hey the bucks are at home they can do something remotely with with jim ross and we put 10 minutes of it on tv certainly yeah yeah i mean even through skype right yeah i think people are i think in the best of circumstances people are accepting of like skype technology and especially in in this time frame like it does not have to be um as slick as you know being live would would be able to uh, have, but mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a very easy thing to do. And it, it keeps a presence for, for Jim Ross on the show. Like this is where, if you're going to do these shows, you have to be coming up with more creative ideas. And to me, limiting wrestling wherever possible. To me, that's almost kind of exciting, you know, because we, to me, like this is how innovation occurs when you're kind of met with these types of challenges and limitations. This is how new ideas you know, come to fruition. I, I will say, like, I feel like even on, like, this episode of Raw, I kind of feel like the MT Arena setting has created a lot more opportunity for, like, very intimate levels of promos. And I think a pace of promos, uh, a, a pace of back-and-forth interactions between competitors giving promos that I, I, I actually prefer to, like, you know, your typical uh, run-of-the-mill WrestleMania angle involving, like, car attacks and things like that. You know, stabbing someone with a pen. Sure. Like tug of war over the title. You don't have that pressure to do that stuff anymore because in many ways you can't do that stuff. So you're relying instead on people just talking. And I think for many of these programs, it's it's been a benefit, not a hindrance. AEW's also announced the addition of a new championship, the TNT Championship. Um, maybe this is going to be a tribute to Savio Vega. T- TNT Championship. Yes. So... 
It's going to be an eight-man single elimination tournament beginning next week, April the 8th, and they're still promoting that the finals would take place May 23rd at Double or Nothing in Las Vegas, uh, which is what the press release listed. They're going to announce the first half of the bracket Tuesday night on Dark and the rest of the bracket on Wednesday's episode. So a new championship and uh, a singles title as well. Interesting to me that AEW would like be announcing anything new you know, at this point in time when I feel like so much is up in the air, who knows if there's even going to be a next episode. But, do I mean, we know that they've taped a lot of footage already. Could any of this stuff have already been taped? Yeah, it's a good question. They they were taping a lot last week. I don't know what exactly the content was that they were taping. If, like, we're not even 100% sure if they're all going to Jacksonville on Wednesday. If you know, have they taped stuff for just to bank if there's a week they can't get there? Um, I don't really know. It's been, you know, very much kind of quiet in that sense. Right. But, you know, the uh, the secondary belt has, has, has been something that I think has been talked about for a bit of time. I, I believe Cody mentioned it like last year even. Um, and I think if you're going to introduce a new championship in AEW, I, I think I personally would am happy that they're starting with this one. Rather than a trios title, or rather than you know a, a women's tag title, even I feel like you have just now, now is not the time for a trios tournament. I don't think so. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, strictly one on one titles from now on. But yeah, no, like it's, I I feel like you have a lot of people in that mid card, you know, who kind of need something to fight for. You have people on dark who really don't have anything to fight for, um, and you know, I think the world championship is is at a level now that that where it's established and. You know, very much coveted. I, I think a secondary belt, without them actually calling it a secondary belt, um, I'm really curious to see how they handle it. The question is, I mean, whether they were taping stuff for this tournament last week or they're going to be taping it, what access to your talent are you going to have for the near future? Because you're, you know, guys that are overseas are not able to come in, and it sounds like they're not even bringing like the California crew is not coming in. People from like the Northeast, like they are focusing on any like Florida based talent, it seems, with the exception of, I I guess, Atlanta as well. Because you've got Cody coming in with with Brandy, Shivani's coming in. um, So it seems like, which is driving distance that they can can do. I don't know if they're actually flying Mm -hmm. to get there, but it's, it's a limited roster at the moment. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a street, like it's a, shoestring crew right now it could um, be dasha gonzalez in this tournament i think you're gonna see like billy gunn austin, austin gunn austin gunn uh you know trying to think who else excalibur maybe getting the ring well hey well, never mind he's californian so yeah yeah okay so that's uh that's the latest so we'll we'll have at least a portion of the bracket uh that they'll be releasing tuesday night way are you ready for your least Oh, Your least favorite UFC card in history that just will not tap out. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm, is, I'm happy to see it like, crumble. This is insane it's at insane. this point. Yeah. So here is the latest, okay? UFC lightweight champion, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, he went on Instagram this morning, which uh, along with Zoom, Instagram, just becoming the go-to. Actually, TikTok this, this time. is becoming a really I guess right so. I don't know if Khabib's on TikTok, but this was his Instagram announcement this morning. This was translated that 
he was in contact with the UFC. He was training in San Jose. And this was when AKA had shut down and they were just leaving it for Khabib to go with his team. They would go from where they were staying to the gym, train for a few hours, and then go right home. They were in contact with the UFC. The UFC said, it's 100%. This event will not happen in the United States. And we're 99% sure it's going to be in the United Arab Emirates. This is all according to Nurmagomedov. So he says, well, you know what? I want to get ahead of things. I'm going to the UAE now. So he flies there with his team. He arrives there and he is informed that their borders are going to be closing and he might get stuck here. So he's got family in Russia. So he makes the decision, I'm going to go to Russia and await. So now he's in Russia. Now Russia is putting their travel restrictions on. So from the sounds of it, it, he can't get out of Russia and no one can get into Russia. So he is pretty much out of this card at this point. They are now, the UFC, going in different directions because this fight card has to happen. Because Dana White has to make this card happen. Or he's a failure, apparently. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning is. They are now, uh, apparently, according to Ariel Hawani, they have offered the fight to Justin Gaethje. That fight is not finalized. And it would have to be American-based fighters on this card They went from 99% it's happening in the United Arab Emirates to now, I guess Dana's last thing was they're down to like four. They they have like four or five locations in mind in the U.S. Every day, Dana White is on somebody's podcast or doing some kind of chat, and it just sounds more insane by the day. And I don't even understand. Like, you've lost the fight. This is the fifth time they've put together this fight. It's fallen apart for the fifth time, and they're still... They still are pushing forward to do this April 18th card, and I just do not get it. This whole period, I think, in, in combat sports is is going to be looked look back upon with so much interest. Because look at look at both the, both of these shows, UFC 249, with like the most anticipated match, um, maybe at this point in, in UFC history, falling apart. You have WrestleMania with its main event falling apart. And, you know, the common ground is, is the fact that you have two promoters who are incredibly stubborn and trying to pursue these matches in spite of the entire world crumbling around them. Um, and this is what you have. And, man, like, I'm just here kind of, like, on my perch kind of enjoying that show. Uh, I don't really care about the fight at this point. I just kind of want to see Dana, like, have, have these terrible, terrible... Like, it, I feel bad for the fighters is who I feel bad for. Because everybody's preparing so hard, don't not knowing like somebody like could be moving moving himself like around the world trying to like just train, and you know like I I think it, really it would be in everybody's best interest to just like call this thing off, but whatever. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I as every day passes, like I I just don't see how this card happens. I mean, it's it's such a blemish at this point. If any. If any commission allows this, and if you're going to like a uh, native reservation to and not being sanctioned, it's just like, what are we doing here? It's just, it would be unconscionable for any commission to it, okay this at this point. Isn't this taking back the UFC to like its days when it was considered, you know, like bar- barbaric, you know, uh, like stuff that is kind of like, you know, beneath the mainstream? He was about to do this, like that fight night card that they were trying to salvage. They were going to go to a native reservation in Oklahoma. Like, yeah. 
What does that tell you that no commission is willing to greenlight you that that has to be the alternative? It's uh, it. I, I just don't get it. And, you know, Dana even stated it in like one interview that if any of my employees or fighters or any of their loved ones get sick, I will be there for them to to help, to assist. And it's like, I, I, don't, I don't doubt that. But it's like, can we not just stomach that this is lost and we can compensate some of these fighters that are out fights and just sit this one out? Like, that's just it's like this idea that. I'm I'm a, I'm I've lost this fight if if I give in to the world. It's I I just yeah. I don't understand it at this point. It's just someone that is so stubborn and it's an ego thing. Like that is it. It's an oh, ego yeah. thing that I can put this card together in the face of sanity that is staring at me and one of us is going to blink. I would have no no issue if Dana was, you know, exercising and, and, you know, fighting for something for his ego if it didn't affect the lives of, like, like many people, tens or hundreds of people that are around him and everybody involved in this, but between the fighters and also the training camps and the families that are involved, everybody is being affected by, you know, this game. Uh, and, and that's, you know, who I feel for because I think ultimately there, there are going to be a lot of Disappointed people, um, and you know, uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that's hopefully like it doesn't end up with somebody getting sick. That would be kind of the worst thing. Did you hear Joe Rogan? It's like I'm not calling this show. <laughs> yeah, he he's not going. I wonder um, who would be. He might be doing it. Dana. Maybe maybe he'll just be yelling into the microphone for the whole the whole <laughs> card. Which, I mean, how many fights? It might only be a few fights at this point, if any. Uh, on the other hand, Bellator, uh, who are just look so much better in comparison, they have, they have canceled their three events that were scheduled for May, okay? That's, that's how proactive they're being. They have just postponed all their events for May. The PFL has also put its upcoming season on hold, so they are not uh, taking a- any chances at this. I, I don't know what happens with these fighters in May if, if they're going to be uh, compensated. We know for the last Bellator card that was canceled the day of, and they took care of everybody. Um, but anyway, that, Bellator just put out that uh, notice uh, tonight that those events are off. Final subject before we get to Raw: Go Shiosaki. Oh God, Kazuyuki Fujita. Fifty-seven minutes at Core Q and Hall. It is rare way that I say I didn't even tell you to watch the whole thing. All I told you was. Just start this match. (laughs) I just, you were the first person I thought of that you were either going to, I thought you would actually be, well, what did you think of the match? Well, okay, we should preface this because where where did this take place, Don? This was on Sunday. This was the GHC championship match with uh, Shiosaki defending against uh, Fujita. And this was an empty arena show. So no fans. It was just, uh, they had uh, the crew there and I guess some photographers um, as well. I believe this was the 20th anniversary show for Noah, correct? Right, yeah. Their their 20th anniversary really wouldn't be until, I guess, July. But I guess anniversaries are kind of fluid. It's, it is the 20th uh, year. Since or maybe, maybe it's, it, I guess it's one of, one of the shows. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, so, I mean, you told me to watch this only one match. And, I mean, it starts off innocently enough. And, you know, I, I want to... Um, preface this by saying if you are at all interested in this don't listen to this right now skip ahead maybe like you know a few minutes um 
or just sit, zip over to the the raw review time code because spoilers okay so they come out and it's like it's like any, i would say any other match by this point you know or at least as normal of a match as you know it, it could be in an empty arena setting what i think makes it relatively comical and to me is the fact that it seems like the whole world's on lockdown right now and all these wrestling companies seem like they're taking precautions and in allowing how many people are allowed. But in Japan, even though you technically call it an empty arena match, Fujita comes out with his entire stable of like 10 dudes, okay? And among them, Kazushi Sakuraba. Um, and, and surrounding the ring are like, I mean, I'm counting right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like 10 people already just as part of the camera and, and video crew. You have the announcer, you have the... Anyway, so so this is clearly not as big of an issue in Japan, but like with the the rest of the 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 entourage, it's, I'm I'm already counting probably like twenty thirty people now already in this you know empty arena match. So they come out and the fanfare is is just as normal, and then you know they go through like uh you know uh the announcements, the ring introductions, they stand and they're about to have a match, bell rings, and they stand. And they stand. And they stand. And were you watching this cold? Did you have any idea of what this match was ahead of time? I only had your text. You know, when you said that, oh, you would, you know, this is the, you said, quote, this is like the ultimate match for you. I knew something was up. And then at the moment they, they didn't do anything. I, I knew, okay, John, you, you definitely know me very well because <laughs> this is so fucked up and I fucking love it. It was so weird. They end up standing for, for 32 minutes, dude. 32 fucking minutes. I mean, they, they, you know, uh, they, the funniest thing to me is like they stand there, but everybody is in on it. Like between the, the camera guys to the photographers to the, uh, the, the, the stable mates to the referee, nobody reacts as if anything is wrong. They're all reacting to this as if, you know, you hit like somebody like unplug their controller in a video game and like the man, the mannequin challenge. Sure. Exactly. Like everybody is reacting to this as if it's normal and they're watching a match. Um, it was incredibly experimental. So anyway, so yeah, 30 minutes go by. They like moved to like the different corners, but then they still just continue to stand. And then- the best part is that the, the director is just trained to cut on like any action. So when one would blink, he would cut and they just blink <laughs> back and forth and they'd cut the camera on the blinks as well. Uh, yeah, it, it was, was, it was incredibly, uh, yeah, it was about as compelling as I think you could make two people standing in the same spot. Look, they had, there's some nice pans, nice, uh, tilt. It was, I, I know that people hated this. I know WH hated this. And I totally understand, but I'm watching this and I'm also going in. I kind of know the the premise as I'm watching this as well, but to see it and everyone is in on it and they don't break mm-hmm. and they have such a commitment to this act. I couldn't help but be impressed by this. Have you ever tried standing like not moving for 30 minutes? To know that this is airing live, like this was on the DDT Universe thing, like this is airing live. People are watching this, and to have that commitment to the bit, I, I was strangely captivated by this. Now, I will also say, 
that I did not watch this at regular speed either. So I did speed this up. I don't blame I, you. I but I watched the entire match, and then when Fujita finally shoots in, which, again, it's 31 minutes of staring at each other with no contact. The the best is, like, when, you know, the, the time cues get called. <laughs> <laughs> the ref is, like, encouraging them, like, every yeah. few minutes. I mean, and then it turns into, well, first Fujita, like, he mounts them, and... <laughs> And Shosaki gets an escape, and then it turns into this brawl where it's like these chapters of the match where they just like escalate it and nearly go to the they go to the elevator and he hits it and had that elevate he was waiting for that elevator to open and when it didn't it's almost like they just cut this spot out that I feel they were going to go into that elevator and just let this thing go I didn't I thought they were going to go downstairs. I wondered like how that would have worked because if this was a live broadcast, like how would I, I guess how would the signal continue to transmit in the elevator? But either way, I think you could tell Fujita and Shizaki wanted to go to the second level. It was kind of nice because like we, had, you and I have both been to Koroku and at this point, so it was kind of nice to get that tour again. But yeah, they went up to the balcony. He was about to throw the dude off of the balcony, um, <laughs> and did not. <laughs> and then. You know, really, it's it's the final few minutes where this just gets brutal. There's those awful Fujita soccer kicks, and then several near falls. And shows. Hold, hold on, you skipped like one of the most talked about spots of this entire thing, and that was when they were brawling on the floor, and Fujita grabs a bottle of hand sanitizer. Oh my god! Yes, this this I skipped like, over this. Takes the cap off. Oh my god! Pours it into his mouth. To spit at Shiozaki with like oh. Purell mist, yeah, um, he, that he was downs insane. it like right into his mouth and then spits it at him like Triple H and it's hand sanitizer, which I hope it was water, but no way. Knowing these guys, I bet you it wasn't. Oh, of course not. Like, like these yeah. guys wanted to go out and have the most—I don't want to say insane, but like the most. No, this match was insane. It was completely bad shit insane. Not something I would expect out of Noah. It would it'd be I, something I expect out of DDT. See, I've seen death matches that I would call bad shit insane. Like this was—I I need a different term for it. This was, you know, for uh, where I think people are going to have the pushback is that this was a GHC Championship match right. in Noah. But I—I'm—I—I yeah. I, I wouldn't even necessarily um, want to ever see this again. I. I will always applaud, though, when people have such a crazy idea and they try it. Mm-hmm. And l- listen, what was the last major Noah match you watched? And I don't know if this is going to bring anybody in, but this was certainly a talked about match. And by the end of it, I was glad I watched it and I was pretty compelled by this. Yes, yes. At the very least, I think you could say that. Whether or not you you know, you know, feel like the... So, so yeah, the rest of the match is like, it, it's incredibly stiff. Like, for as much as, the, like... The closing few minutes are just brutal. He, like, like Vegeta is just kicking the shit out of Shiozaki's head. And these aren't, like... These aren't really kicks that I think you could work either. So it was almost like they were going to spend the first half of this match doing literally nothing. And then they were going to make up for it with the last half by doing way more than I think anybody expects professional, professional wrestlers to do in a match itself. Um experimental certainly you know in an empty arena setting when you can take risks like this uh because certainly if there's an audience there this would not have worked at all um but that's what i kind of like that 
Okay, for all these empty arena matches, all we talk about is all of the negatives and the handicaps. And they decided, let's dive into that. Let's mm. put the greatest handicap on us. Like, it is an empty setting. That's the fear. Let's make it the focus. And I sure. I kind of, like, I'm, I'm not going to thumbs down this. I, I thought that, listen, wrestling is about risk-taking. When it comes to ideas yes. and I, I, I applaud when people think outside the box and it's going to have, and knowing that this is not going to have uh, unanimous support at the end of it, that I totally understand people that would, would hate this, but I, <laughs> by the end of it, I did not think I wasted an hour. I love that Sakuraba was there like the whole time, you know, this poor guy, I'm sure like his body's just like barely holding on. And here he is like <laughs> standing there for like a half hour. As these two people just stand there for no, it was like it, it is like it was incredibly fascinating. So I encourage everybody to to at least watch a bit of it. You know, I don't know if you'll last the whole thing, but it was start, start it at the beginning and see how long you can last. It's a different. I would have really been interested if I had just been watching this cold and I would have been I think, freaking out if I saw this live. Like if I had no I, idea what was going on. I think it would have been even better if it yeah. was just uh, you didn't know what you were in store for. But it's 57 minutes and 47 seconds uh, with 31 minutes of nothing at the beginning and the longest GHC ma- uh, championship match in Noah's 20-year history. They did it. Incredible. <laughs> Part of me wants to see someone try this with a crowd. Um. Like, they have to do a rematch now because it's going to be so – there will be so much buzz of, oh, my God, what are they going to do in front of a crowd? Will they – would they try it? Like, they, there will be such a – can't do this. They can't do this. Like, the, the joke wouldn't be there, you know? You, you don't have to do it again, but you just promote the rematch, and that's like the intrigue is what are they going to do? Because this is going to – I don't know. Noah is not the most um, – uh, discussed promotion so i don't know how much traction this really will have but i'll say this if six months from now they announce a rematch for these two everyone's going to remember this match for sure absolutely yeah this is like you know this will kind of fall in there in, in with with legend of like you know the daniel bryson daniel bryan cesaro uh headlock match like something like that weird and that actually happened i wanted to ask you before though we we kind of move on from this like i i, I went on some like uh, uh forums from like you know noah fans talking about perhaps some like actual logic behind the match about how like the staring contest was in a way, maybe (sighs) Shiozaki trying to (laughs) show that he wasn't backing down from Fujita's, you know, um, intimidation. And (laughs) can you see any logic at all? Can you see any like actual storyline, like, you know, come from, this match i mean you can you can make up any story you want that it was hey they, they both respect each other i mean how many mma fights uh francis Ngannou and Derek lewis it's like these two power hitters that you are expecting are gonna kill each other well they're both aware of the the power that the other possesses that it canceled each other out and they were afraid to engage for most of that fight and it was atrocious uh back in uh 2018 and instead you got, uh, you know, a fight that it was just two guys very, very tentative. This was that times 100 where they wouldn't even, you know, circle at the beginning of the fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you can you can come up with with a story for it if you would like. But um, I'm curious to anyway. watch this one with commentary. Like, I don't understand Japanese, of course, but like, I believe they did do one with commentary. Um, I just I can't imagine trying to fill like the, the thirty minutes with what would you say? I think you just duck out at a certain point. I mean, there's not a whole lot. It's like it kind of ruins it if there were if there was commentary all over this. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the silence to me makes it. Yeah, like that's that's part of the presentation. So anyway, it's it's a really interesting match if you want to uh, watch it. It's, uh, it's an experience. Yeah, it re- it really is. On to Raw, where we had uh, our taped edition, our taped go home show, uh, leading into WrestleMania. Off the top, they recap AJ Styles and The Undertaker, and we got B-roll of the cemetery. So pretty much laying out what to expect on the weekend. That is a boneyard, I guess. Yeah. The boneyard. No planes. I'm disappointed. I was kind of hoping for some planes afterwards, uh, after you had laid that out. So who knows? Maybe. Maybe. And then joining us on the screen, it's me and Mark. No Undertaker gimmick. It's just Mark here. And he says, AJ Styles, or should I say, Alan Jones, since we're being real now, for a small man, you've got a big mouth. And your your insults, I've heard a lot worse from far better. But you did mention some truth. He said that AJ was always content being a big fish in a small pond. You didn't come here and hang with Austin, The Rock, Mick Foley, Kurt Angle, Mick Foley, or sorry, I said Foley, Guerrero, Booker T, Edge. Kurt Angle you, was in the small pond. Kurt Angle went to the small pond. So did Mick Foley. So <laughs> did Booker T. <laughs> uh, man, you waited until they were all gone, except me. And I may have far more matches behind me than in front of me, Alan. But you crossed the line when you mentioned her and said that pride is playing games with you. Because you know (laughs) that she did the faith breaker (laughs) better than you ever did. She got it over. <laughs> I, I fucking loved that. I thought that was oh, awesome. Man. Man. He fucking used the line. My wife did my did your move better than you did. I mean, uh, whether or not it's true, the fact that he even brought it up is I loved awesome. It. Yeah. You disrespected her. Try me. I'm going to make you famous. And I hope you bring your two ass clowns. And all three of you can feel the wrath of the unholy trinity I'm bringing with me. And I don't know about you, Wade, but when he promised to bring his unholy trinity, I'm just picturing WrestleMania, Undertaker with Lay Cool standing tall <laughs> in a cemetery. That's what I immediately thought of. <laughs> well, I, I wonder how many people share share that visualization. But um, like Lay Cool in like, like druid outfits, like the hoods. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, all three of them in tandem dying holy shit wow <laughs> yeah that would be a very unique match at this point why not why not go for it with this very weird wrestlemania anyway i thought takers had it really good here you know um the, I, the idea though is is fascinating in that it's like the, the taker has basically reverted to his like real life you know or you could even call this like the american badass self it's his real life self he's not the dead man he doesn't talk in that slow kind of you know, 
zombie drawl. Instead, he's talking like Mark Calloway. But this one's interesting because the audience never saw that transition on screen. We just saw him at Saudi Arabia as the dead man. And then all of a sudden, AJ calls him Mark. And okay, then he's now suddenly appearing as Mark. So that transition has kind of been weird. But I, I'm grateful that he's able to cut a promo like this because I think... I thought it was a good promo and it sounded genuine. Um, I like him saying that my wife did your move better than you did. That's like rap battle stuff, you know, like that, that just like, that's like excellent, like mic drop material. I also love the fact that he did this backstage where he didn't have to, like they didn't bother with the disappointing theatrics of like the small walk to the empty arena that I thought sucked about the last time he, he did, he did this in the PC. Um, it was just him with a close-up shot and a camera. And a lot of these promos on this show were shot that way. And I think they weren't way better for a show like this. Yeah, this was... If if you were to just recap this promo for me, like, when you do the calling you by your real name, I hate that stuff. I really hate it. It's such a... It was such a Vince Russo trope. And in this one, I really wasn't bothered by it. And on top of it, like, sometimes it just... You're you're so into like the bubble that suddenly you call out a guy's real name. It's like, well, why why does he have this alternate name? And it's a little thing, but in the case of AJ, like, what the hell do you think AJ stands for? You know what I mean? It wasn't so much like he's got a completely separate name that I'm gonna call you this, uh, and it just makes absolutely no sense if you're kind of on the outside looking in. And yeah, this I thought this was like a really good promo and a. a you know, different different presentation of The Undertaker that the storyline kind of called for as well. And, and you know, like I said earlier, I, I really do enjoy, I think, um, an unexpected side effect of these empty arena shows is that you're solely relying on people talking to build up feuds. You're not relying on any... Pops, pauses. Yeah, that, but also, like, you know, like we said, like any sort of extra stunts. You know, no ambulances or local medical facilities were involved in the building of this feud. You didn't even have uh, Michelle have to come out. And we know if this was, you know, these shows were, were continued to be done in front of live audiences. You'd probably get some sort of like bonkers interaction with her. You might even get a tiger at some point. But here it was just like straight up promos. And it like these these feuds, I think, feel end up feeling a, a bit more pure as a result. If these had been normal shows, what are the odds that... Michelle would have given AJ the faith breaker the night after WrestleMania. Oh man. In the match. You're talking in about. the match, maybe. Oh my god. Well, goodness. what are the chances you get some you get Joe Exotic showing up? Uh, zero. Oh, he's yeah, in prison. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Never mind. Um Yeah, so also another thing, I was just really glad that the Undertaker got um he was free of too big for just one night to have to be inserted painfully into his promo. Oh, man. I know. Because Heyman had to weave that one in somehow, but he's much better at it. For the night, we've got Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton. Becky arrives in her big semi-truck. And then we go to a break, and we're back to the new Slamway. And uh, one week after we we applauded them, they were just plugging the WWE Network. Later in the week, the Sastel Center sent out a, a notice that the WWE live event in April has been canceled. What are we back to promoting this week? Sastel. The Sastel Center, the show that is not happening, being plugged here by Scott Stanford. So that one was just weird. That just makes like sports and it looks sloppy. 
doesn't it? Um, it just looks looks sloppy in general here. That mm. <laughs> this this array, literally you had like these canned ads plug in the network that you could have just inserted, and you actively just pl- just promoted this show that the the arena itself has said is canceled. Can you imagine like somebody who maybe doesn't watch any news and their sole TV consumption is like WWE Raw, thinking that this show still going on and i mean i'm just disappointed he, for he just the, the person just ordered tickets for the april 26th non-event and he's counting down to roman reigns and bill goldberg <laughs> just called his local cable company and bought it for 50 bucks you kid but i mean that that there, there are many people who are probably in that exact same situation not everybody is on the internet you know knowing exactly what's going on with roman reigns wait one of the reasons that we've looked at i mean we don't get the pay-per-view numbers anymore but for years after the network had launched we did and there was like i won't say a gigantic number but a not insignificant number that were still buying them on pay-per-view and one of the theories would have to be you know in certain areas of the country that doesn't have you know great internet or reliability these people are still buying them on pay-per-view so if you are someone that for whatever reason are not are not a connected home or don't really rely on the internet you you very well may be ordering this pay-per-view and you're going to find out at least on, as late as friday god knows mm-hmm. uh, i would hope that they it will be figured out friday but there's absolutely people that i think would not be aware of this yeah 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 i mean that's that's their plan becky comes out she notes that last year she faced two champions at WrestleMania. Let's take a look. And what a look we took for the next 40 minutes. Like this was a 20 minute match that had like a million breaks in it. And this took up the whole rest of the hour. And I couldn't believe that this it, this aired. The whole match airs and we come back and Becky is there on the stage saying, that's the first time I've watched that match back. <laughs> we had the illusion that she just sat there on the stage with her neck cranked up on the screen to watch her match from last year. 45 minutes. <laughs> this was like the whole first hour almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, what else did take a look? Do? Yeah, what else is she going to do? She's not wrestling right now, so. So, <laughs> Becky says that a lot of people have tried to take her title. Baszler thinks that she has an edge and that taking this title would destroy Becky. She says, well, it would. She doesn't know who she is without this title, but she also knows about Shayna's demons, and it's starting to get to her. Baszler is going to fight from emotion because if she can beat Becky, she can do one thing that her pal Ronda Rousey could not. And by beating Becky, she'll be able to steal Ronda's spotlight for once instead of the other way, the other way around. And says, or you can lose and you're back in Rousey's shadow and asks which one of us is going to be destroyed with a loss. And with that, Baszler was literally in her shadow and appeared with the Kirafuda clutch and choked out Becky, threw her onto the announce desk, and then just deadlifts and swings her into it. Good promo from Breck Becky, I thought. You know, I, I feel like another benefit of these empty arena shows is that it, allow, it allows these promos to be a little bit more cerebral without the pressure to impress a crowd along the way. You don't have to kind of hit your, your marks of like, you don't have to say the word bitch, you know, to get a reaction. Mm-hmm. There is no bitch. But you on can this still show. use that word. Yeah, they, they would certainly haven't been shy. But there's no there is no bitch on this show, was there? <laughs> just Did wait. You catch one. Oh, you did catch one? 
Oh, never mind. Absolutely, I did. (laughs) All right. Well, never mind then. But I thought this was a good promo from Becky. I love how she dug deep into, like, uh, you know, uh, a big part of Shayna's, I think, identity is her being a second to Ronda Rousey and how she kind of dug in there, calling Shayna out for um, what this this win would mean to to Shayna to step out of Ronda's shadow. I thought that was, like, a really nice kind of deep cut. Um, Physicality was okay, but really that's more of a formality at this point. As far as, you know, how hot this feud is, I don't think it's a main event level program. Um, you know, it's, it, it was hotter, I would say. Like, I feel maybe even like around the Survivor Series, like that during that whole in, perhaps invasion period. But they're kind of, they're, they're doing the best they can. Alistair Black faced uh, Jason Cade and... Swept his leg, sits cross-legged, and Cade is all confused, asking what's he doing. And he goes for a PK. It's caught. Cade gets in an enziguri, and then a kick from Alistair sets up the black mass, and he pins Jason Cade in 48 seconds and then just sits in a trance. I thought this Jason Cade did a great job. I love the way he crumbled off of that black mass. Like he crumbled, he like ragdolled basically. Like you know, did you see he put up the video of this after and wrote, "I'm no longer undefeated on Monday Night Raw," <laughs> and it was to, <laughs> his head getting thrown into yeah. the third row. Yeah, this was a yeah, it was a fun squash match. Squash matches. I mean, I think they they kind of almost had to do because of the limited number of talent and you know reliance on more local talent for these shows. But I think they also work well in these empty arena settings. They don't ask for that much kind of investment. They don't certainly don't ask for that much like reaction from an audience to fill the silence. You know, this was just like big moves from Alistair Black. Like Alistair Black, it's like watching him in Mortal Kombat or something in this set. Sure. Yeah. Like with the fatality. Yeah. It's like, get over here. And boom, kicks him. <laughs> yes. Maybe he'll have the maybe he'll backpack be his way to victory against Bobby Lashley on the weekend. What's backpack B? I I never played Mortal Kombat. Oh, that was Sega Genesis. That was Scorpio. Backpack backpack B, I think it was, and you'd have like this chain where it would attach uh to like the throat area. Oh yeah, pull them towards the come you. O- come over here. Yeah. 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 Cool. I think, yeah. That was like a very cheap move to use, but it was one that I that was my go to in Mortal Kombat as Scorpio. That's a great move. Next up was our six-man tag, and Angel Garza comes out with Zelina Vega, who announces that Andrade has suffered a rib injury. He is unable to compete, and she has brought up the no longer free agent Austin Theory. And it would be Seth Rollins, Angel Garza, and Austin Theory against Kevin Owens and the Street Profits. And poor Kevin Owens here, sporting you know his annual WrestleMania shirt and... You've got to think like they probably only like introduced these like within this was like the fourth one. This was the fourth one, yeah. but this this specific shirt probably only came out was ready a week or two ago, so he's probably sold none of these barely, unless it's on on online. I don't know how many people are buying online right now. Oh, everybody's and, taking a hit, like, and these are dated right after WrestleMania, so this shirt's not gonna. I don't. I don't think this one's gonna be a big royalty check for him. But, you know, that's it's not just the WWE. Think about all the independents that had shirts printed out. Like, you, you know, Spring Break or, like, you know, Bloodsport or any of these other places that invested so much in, in that's shirts, eh? A podcast that everyone should listen to is the uh, the AIW show with uh, John Thorne 
and it's called This Card is Going to Change. And they're, I think it was, it was last week's show. And he just goes through like all stuff like that, that you don't always think of like that they had, you know, had ready and how big losing WrestleMania weekend is for them. And, you know, the, the hardships that they're going to have just the issues of, you know, plane tickets that are only offering credits or the person that it's in their name, that person has to use it. It's not like I can take this ticket for this person and, give it to another wrestler that I'm going to be booking at some point. Plus if there's a connection, it's got to go to like the same location, which like, when are what? those guys going to, going to go to Tampa again? It was, you, you have to listen to his explanation of it, but it's, it, it sounded like there can be problems. If like, there's a connection flight of just rerouting tickets as well, man, that's brutal. It's, it's so hard for all of these uh, independent promoters. Like you just feel awful. Um, like that's, I know that that was not going to be a factor in WWE's thinking, but the decision to do this as opposed to postponing, it hurts a lot of people. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that is, um, that's a reality. Uh, Montez Ford hit a Topicon hero onto Garza in theory. They went to the commercial break. The pants come off of Garza. They had the heat on Dawkins for a long time. He tags Owens and then Rollins immediately tags out. Garza gets hit with the cannonball, followed by a swanton, but Theory makes the save. And then Montez Ford yells, WrestleMania time! And he goes for another Topekon hero that completely misses Austin Theory. And he just crashes onto the metal portion of the ramp. They replayed this about 85 times. And okay. Montez Ford just looked like this looked awful. Okay, who's, whose fault was this? I mean, Austin Theory was not there to catch him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that it was supposed to be a move that was probably supposed to take both guys out of the match. So I, I wonder what it was supposed to look like if, if both guys were supposed to be taken out. But man, I, I certainly felt bad for Montez like the crash Ford. that this made. Like he grazed like the left arm of Austin Theory, and that oh. was about it. It was just, um, oh, it looked terrible. It oh just looked God. terrible. And they just, they had no uh, issue replaying this over and over again. It was insane, yeah. Um, I, I and you know from what we know, he's fine because the match ended up taking place. So uh, anyway, um, so they went have, right to the finish after this. Stunner to Garza and Owens pinned him. So we have Austin Theory kind of getting his unofficial call up here due to him. I would imagine simply being around. I mean, the way it was worded was no longer free agent, and it. It, like Zelina Vega really positioned this that it was similar to Angel Garza, who it sounds like this was his call up as, as well over this this past while. So every every time Andrade gets taken out, Zelina has to like and <laughs> ends up with like a new client. So amusing, and what a strange team like Rollins ends up having on his side. He's lost everybody. Murphy's not around. AOP's not around due to like a, a injury. So he's kind of lost his entire crew. Yeah, I. I really thought, like, when I heard that Andrade was out and didn't immediately know about Austin Theory, I just assumed, like, Umberto would be the choice and they'd go with with the Cousins. But uh, do you like this choice of going with someone, calling someone up fresh? How would that make sense if you're, you know, if he's a babyface and they're currently in a feud? Well, you come up with a a storyline reason. I mean, he was kind of odd man out and someone that you had been pushing. And now you're taking another, like, young prospect and are putting him in there. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole thing is a mess. Um, I don't even know why you, you would do this, Street Profits. 
Garza Theory match anyway. Um, to, to be honest, too, like Austin Theory should be in NXT right now. I wouldn't yeah. want to see him on the main roster. Like he has a long way to grow. That I think it's way better to grow at that level than it is on Raw every week. I, I I hold out hope that I think it could be an interesting match. It could be a fun match. At the same time, I don't look at it any more important than you know your typical match on Raw. No, no, I I don't think so either. Owens, after the break, is left alone in the ring. He thinks that Seth just kicked some sense into him. Uh, right after the the stunner and the win, Rollins hit him with the stomp. So that's what he was referencing. He said how Rollins has taken credit for this building being built on his back, but Owens has heard otherwise because this place was built despite Rollins, who he's always heard was a nightmare to deal with the moment he stepped into that warehouse in Tampa, thinking he was better than everyone and no one could stand him. You were an arrogant dipshit. And he's aware of his own past and reputation, but I'm not delusional like you who call yourself a god. You're just a disappointment. And... Or sorry, he said, your words calling me a disappointment, those words stung. And he mentioned that he's been an intercontinental champion, a United States champion, and a universal champion, which he did before Rollins did. But he admits he did not win those titles on his own. He always had someone watching his back. But Seth, so did you. All of those WrestleMania moments were not done on your own. And you either had someone helping you or was some underhanded tactic which I don't know is quite the case when you look at Rollins, especially like the last few years of like babyface wins he's had. Sure. Right. But, what were the main ones? I mean, he, he won the title. Okay. The, the, the big one is, yeah, the money in the bank. Yes. You can uh, underhanded tactic. Okay. He wins that. But then the next year he's out with the injury. He beats Hunter, which was pretty much like a clean win. Right. Uh, the next year was 2018. What did he do that year? That was that order. Oh, that, that, Oh, that was that uh, U.S. title four-way that I think he won. Yeah, he did win. And that was just like a nothing four-way that he won with no one's help. And then last year was the Lesnar thing where, I mean, they brawled around the ring, but then he won. I guess he won with the low blow last year. So you can say that was maybe an underhanded tactic. I don't remember any of that. (laughs) I've forgotten everything. I try. Um, Anyway. He goes on to say that this Saturday night, he specifically said Saturday night, Rollins is not a prophet or a messiah or a god. When he beats him in the middle, Owens will take his first WrestleMania moment from Seth, and I will be the one to burn it down. Very good promo from Kevin Owens. I thought so too. Yeah, as always. Like these promos are really strong on tonight's Mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. Then we had this fantastic video feature on Edge and Randy Orton. This was outstanding. Um, you know it's WrestleMania season when uh, photos of your children are introduced and we've got the echo effect. Ooh. Yes. The echo effect, uh, maybe the, the sepia tone. Um, yeah. You pull, you pull out all your stops for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Edge is in uh, Aleister Black's room and... <laughs> He says, Adam Copeland may be a junkie for Edge. I felt like everyone needed name tags on this show, maybe. (laughs) Hi, I'm Mark. (laughs) Hi, I'm Alan Jones. He said that um, he agreed he might be a junkie for Edge, but it's not an ego thing. He loves the feeling of when his music hits and he hears the, the roar of the crowd because I'm one of them, which I mean, kind of just put a big spotlight on this thing. 
He said, we're all junkies for this. He mentions being in the crowd for WrestleMania six. If you're not a junkie for this, you're just taking up space. You're in my way. And they have a different definition of the word grit to him. Grit is the type of person that or exhibiting grit is reaching down, pulling a man out of a hole that they probably don't deserve to be pulled out of. He said, having grit is not joining evolution just to be someone's lackey and trying to figure out how to get back here for nine years and end this on your terms. He says that Randy is not jealous of him, but jealous of his passion. You either have passion or you don't. And the only time that Randy has it is when I'm around. I make you better. I light a fire under you. Everyone's saying this is the best Randy Orton has been. And the last time you scratched being this good was nine years ago. And that scares you. And I'm almost ready to, I was almost ready to end it and just be happy with my Royal Rumble return and call it a day. But then you attacked my wife. You mentioned my daughter's names and pulled me back in. You accepted this last man standing match and Randy, you've dug yourself another hole. And this time you are not going to be pulled out. I'm going to push you so far in, you'll never get back out. You know, I thought that these two had already finished their job. They said everything they needed to say for that video package that, as you said, John, was wonderful. I thought already by this point, this was already the best built feud in WrestleMania. But Edge this week, I guess, was like, man, I drove 17 hours for this shit. I'm not done yet. And he gave us like his best promo of the entire feud thus far. He topped the one I thought from two weeks ago. Um, maybe even the second best promo of this feud, other than, you know, what Orton did with Beth, I still consider maybe the best, but this is certainly up there in terms of caliber, in terms of standard. Um, you know, it's been a while, but I feel like I, it's hard for me to think, think of like, you know, Edge sounding that much better than how he sounded here. He sounded fantastic. You know, every retort in this, I thought was well-reasoned, great back and forth with, with their answers. Everything was, you know, well thought out and not cliched. I also really like the boiler room setting for this kind of promo because it very much felt to me like it was a Mick Foley type of promo. Yes. Very cerebral, using a, like kind of that loud voice for emphasis uh, for certain words. I think it worked far better in this type of setting than it would have in a live arena with a full crowd. I thought this was one of the better edge promos I can recall. I thought he was fantastic here. I, I did feel you needed a big promo from Edge on this. Not that this program necessarily uh, needed it, but for that final show, I think Edge should have like that final promo to go into it. Mm-hmm. it this has been a fantastic program. Just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, They really have their work cut out for them, or at least they had their work cut out for them last week. Um, but nonetheless, you cannot uh, criticize any of the buildup to this. Like This to me is, this to me, hands down, feels like the main event of the show. I agree. Absolutely, especially now, you know, with, with knowing what we know about Reigns and Goldberg, um, I I would personally classify this above Drew and, and Brock myself in terms of interest. So I, I definitely agree there. And you know, it's been really wonderful to see. Like Edge had a lot of like, you know, reality in 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 these words because I I haven't seen Randy Orton this good in a very very long time, and that includes some of like the feuds he's had recently, which I thought were really good against like uh, Jeff Hardy. I think I think Orton is was is at his best right now, and it took this Edge program to, for him to get there. Edge of you know is is obviously more inspired than he's been in a decade, um, and everybody is just bringing their A game. 
has been excellent. Oscar comes out and they officially announce Oscar and Kyrie Sane against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for WrestleMania. Oscar cuts a promo asking, "Who are you?" Uh, with Caden Carter in the ring, and they do plug Carter's match for NXT this week, the second chance opportunity to get into the ladder match. And Oscar hits her with a hip attack, takes some offense, catches the ankle, suplexes Carter, and then a head kick. Oscar Lock submits her in a minute fourteen, and then goes over to Byron and Tom and just screams into the headset before exiting. Yep, yep, that's all of this happened. Yeah, they showed some footage from earlier in the day. Uh, Rhea Ripley was... Oh, oh any, any word on uh, Kyrie Sane? Uh, I haven't heard any different. Like, it sounds like the the match happened, uh, okay. is my understanding. So, um, I haven't heard otherwise uh, to that. So, I mean, the fact that... I would say the fact that they were promoting it, I mean, <laughs> must mean everything went fine. But uh, you take that with a grain of salt. But I, I have not heard that there was any issue with, with Kyrie. Okay. Then from earlier in the day, uh, Rhea Ripley is walking outside the Performance Center. I don't know if these two were essential personnel tonight, but uh, Charlotte came from behind and booted her into the garage, left her laying, calling her a rookie, and said, I'll see you at WrestleMania. And moments later, Rhea reacted with a smirk saying, yeah, you will. Um, Did she say bitch? No, no bitch. Okay. Um, not not a really um, memorable setup for their match. On they might get something on NXT. You're right. They might they might feature that more on Wednesday. That would make some sense to utilize some time there. Uh, then they replayed Brock Lesnar and Rey Mysterio from last year's Survivor Series, and then they run down the whole WrestleMania card. There are a lot of matches on this. Um, oh, oh the- before before we move on, um, so like at no point that they really kind of make specific mention of what 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 match will be on which show, but I did notice Owens in his promo say this Saturday. Yes, yes, they, he mentioned Saturday specifically, so we can expect Owens and Rollins and Becky and Shayna the first night. Those seem to be known to be on Saturday. Okay, where do you put Edge and Randy? Um, opposite, um. What is it, uh, Drew and Brock? I would, I would think, if Cause, yeah. Where do you see Drew and Brock being? Because based on tonight, I almost feel like that's that's closing night two. That's just my guess. Closing night two. I have no idea. Like, I guess that's the visual you want at the very end. Is that the uh, the reason? Quote unquote visual. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't begin to know how they would kind of make those decisions. Yeah, I guess it's uh yeah, and we're, we're probably just going to end up going into the week unless they announce the cards this week, but they might just leave it like you don't know what you're getting each night. Mhm. So, uh officially added Elias versus King Corbin, uh Street Profits against Angel Garza and Austin Theory for the Raw Tag Titles and they're going through all of them and then last but not least, the Battle of the Generation Spear versus Spear Bill Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. You know, at the very least, they could have just omitted this from the the tee up here. No one would have been complaining. No one, like everybody knows this. You know what I mean? The guy himself has acknowledged it. Why this was in here? It's just who are you fooling at this point? Yeah, it does look silly, especially like on 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 an episode of Raw where you had no interaction with Goldberg and Roman Reigns anyway. It wasn't like they had pre shot TV that they had to go through. 
I mean, I don't know what they've done for this Friday show. Maybe. Okay, Th- this Friday they have advertised a face-to-face segment oh. between Goldberg and Reigns. So okay. obviously they taped a segment, but I'm imagining that is a standalone ten-minute segment. I'm not expecting that all two the two of them are all over SmackDown. To me, it's we take that out and we replace it with something new. Even at the very least, that it's the announcement of Braun, and then we go to the studio and it's. Our panel reacting. You know what I mean? It's well, we don't know what exactly happens. Maybe the Braun interaction takes place right after, like you know, maybe it's part of the face to face. Maybe the face to face is how Roman gets written off. Um, I could see why they would hold off for that reason, but it does certainly still feel shady to like continue to advertise this, like you know, a week after knowing that it, it wasn't going to happen. It just feels like, well, our television was shot. Nothing's going to interrupt our, our TV that's that's shot, even though. I mean, the timing of all this is that, you know, SmackDown was taped last Saturday. And then, you know, by Saturday, I don't think they were aware uh, of Reigns. That seemed to be later in the week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stuff happens, though. And I think you have to be able to adjust. But this, to me, like, why you're even including this in the in the match rundown, I, you know, there's really no defense of it. It's just simply, like, we we will decide when the outside world will change our program. Like, it will be on our terms that we decide this. So, I guess Friday it is. Um, Final segment was Lesnar and Heyman in the ring for the go-home segment. Paul states that he believes in the magic of WWE and doesn't like to pull the curtain back. He loves how we take larger-than-life characters, embellish them, market them, and we are all living through the most unique time of our lives. And they call this the go-home segment for the go-home Raw going into WrestleMania. And the person that stands here in this segment every year is Brock Lesnar. And this year, it's been Drew McIntyre that has stepped up to be that someone special. And he is someone special compared to the guy on the street, the idiot in the gym who thinks he could do this. And he's even special compared to this locker room, which he notes is the most extraordinary roster in history. And there were other people that were special. Guys like The Rock, Hulk Hogan, Randy Couture, Shane Carwin, who I never thought would get mentioned in the go-home segment going into WrestleMania. John Cena, The Undertaker. They were all legends, Hall of Famers, and icons, which I guarantee you Shane Carwin would be blushing tremendously at such accolades. Would would you say those two are are Brock's most well-known victories in the UFC? Yes. I would say uh, Frank Mir, I would put above. I would say the UFC 100 rematch would be above both of those. Um, I'd go Frank Mir and then Randy Couture. Shane Carwin was, uh, you know, a fight that I think a lot of referees would have stopped in the first round. But then he made Mm -hmm. that big comeback because Carwin was totally gassed uh, by the second round. And it was a great Comeback victory for Brock Lesnar. Those would be the big three. I'd put Frank Mir number one because that was such an, an enormous, enormous fight. Right. Um, he says that all of them, at the end of the day, when they got in the ring, they weren't that goddamn special, but just Brock's bitch. And he lists off all the finishers and um, weapons that these opponents had compared to the Claymore but none of them could work on that day. And Lesnar, when he stepped into the ring and when it truly mattered, they couldn't pull it off. 
and says either Lesnar has mastered a strategy to avoid the Claymore or he's going to eat it and we'll find out if Drew can take down Brock Lesnar. And he says this is more than a prediction or even a spoiler. It's a guarantee. Next year on the Go Home segment, on the Go Home Raw, it will be Brock Lesnar standing here, which I hope doesn't mean the Performance Center, that they're still doing this in a year, will be standing here with the title and stating that Drew McIntyre had a great story to tell, just like everyone else, but got beaten fugly by Lesnar. He walks in special, but Drew McIntyre walks out just like everybody else. Nothing more than Brock's bitch. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about this one <laughs> at the end. He's the go-home word on the <laughs> go-home show of uh, the go-home Raw in the go-home segment. Got it in there at the end. Dude, this was Paul Heyman's uh, shining <laughs> moment to utilize his favorite word out there. Uh, knocked it out of the park. I thought this was a phenomenal segment. It was excellent. Yeah. I think, you know, classic Paul uh, and, you know, you put the guy in charge of cutting the, having the last word on WWE Raw before WrestleMania. Um, I thought he, he knocked it out of the park. You know, you would have expected, I think, Drew McIntyre to be a part of this segment. But the fact that he wasn't there, I assume, could only be due to just whatever limitations they were faced with. I don't know, because he is uh, Florida-based, I believe. And, you know, I I didn't think this segment was lacking without him either. Um, But anyway, they just went went with this instead of, like, the face-off. I can't complain. I thought this segment was great. I thought this was... uh, you know, when we look at, at big, like, go-home shows, like, of recent memory, I thought this one was pretty strong. And I think that there are lessons that can absolutely be learned from this. I don't know how well they can be applied in a regular setting. That, you know, the idea of minimal in-ring focused promos, like, you're not going to have empty arenas. But the idea of doing stuff like Edge in that kind of a setting killing off the crowd noise for those backstage interviews. I think there's a lot you can take from this show and learn from because I thought this was a hell of a show in terms of building people's interests for WrestleMania. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, I, I, I really do feel like this shines a light on, I think the importance of just letting talent tell their stories with their promos just by talking and not having to rely on so much other bullshit that typically comes with, you know, a WrestleMania build for your major angles. Um, I I just love the parody of like having one person speak one week and another person, you know, taking all of those criticisms and, you know, thinking about a great retort that answers them all and then criticizes that person for something else and repeat, repeat, repeat all the way until the match. And I feel like that's kind of what we've had. The pace has been really digestible. Um, Certainly for our purposes, John, I don't mind having replays of old matches at all. It kind of it essentially turns these raws into like hour forty five raws, and they're far easier to watch. Um, I and I would say although over- I mean last like last week Raw and SmackDown did very poorly. Um, so mm-hmm. um, you know it's but what it, can it'll they be do? notable like what kind of number this draws. Like they were promoting all these different appearances, but are these shows are are people? engaged in these shows in in higher numbers um i would imagine not but i would say this that had this show in this format uh if this was in the pay-per-view era and and we were doing a regular wrestlemania in a stadium 
I'd be pretty optimistic about this pay-per-view number just based on the build in particular for Edge and Orton, the idea of Edge's first real match back, and and just this show, I think, would have done a really great job if this had happened, you know, 10, 11 years ago. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows what it would look like 10 years ago, a go-home show for a WrestleMania. I enjoyed Raw, though. I I, I really liked the show. And it was I did, too. Heavy did on the too. promos. So... Let's uh, go. We'll take some feedback. And tonight's show gets only a 5.44 from our forum. So maybe you and I were higher on this than than others. Andrew from Cape Breton. Are you guys excited? Goldberg versus Roman Reigns is happening this weekend, potentially on my birthday on the Saturday. Man, it would suck if something randomly happened and the match was changed the day before. Did you guys see that, that clip that BT Sport put out on Drew McIntyre? It was incredible. They have three hours of nothing for TV, but they couldn't put that on. It's getting harder to write feedback on shows that didn't have much to them. The only thing that these past few weeks made me realize was how bad the commentary has been this past year. When a crazed woman screaming in a foreign language is better than your regular commentary, something is wrong. Four out of ten. I did not see that, but I heard people saying it was very well done, and I agree. They... That should have been something that could have run on tonight's show, and that could have been your representation of Drew on this show. Seemed like it was a BT Sport thing, though. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a broadcast partner. If if they produce something great, I mean, you utilize it. Yeah, I'm not sure how all that works, um, but I, I, I saw briefly. I didn't. I haven't sat down to watch the whole thing yet, but it looked like it was a different level of production than, you know, what WWE is, is used to. It looked really cool. Um, we go to Nick who says, great opening promo with Taker. Who knows what the match will be like, but if they're going to play, go to the reality route, that's a good way to do it. I thought the Becky Shana exchange was really effective. It makes Baszler feel like a real threat to Becky's reign. WWE has been smart about tying in the matches they're recycling and showing Becky's moment of triumph a year ago only helps seeing Shayna take down Becky more nat brutally than even Ronda over the last couple weeks. Pretty solid six man tag. Good action, and it's nice seeing Austin Theory getting a shot on a bigger stage, despite all the circumstances around it. But the highlight was the Owens promo right after. The man has conviction when he speaks. Edge also came out with a passionate promo full of fury. Those Canadian boys came to work. Heyman cut a typically solid Heyman promo that got both guys over. The only hope is that they still give Drew the win even without the crowd to cheer him on. Not a bad episode. It feels like they're figuring out the kinks that come along with doing the shows in the PC. And MJ, this does not feel like WrestleMania. It feels closer to a super showdown. That said, I love this card as it was originally constructed prior to the change in plans. I feel it would have been a very cool mania to be at, both personally and in general. That the videos and promo packages for the build have been on the money and the card isn't taking place in front of a true mania crowd is bittersweet. Maybe next time they can do mania, they realize this is how to build matches. Less is always more. Make us crave the fight. Just don't do it in an empty plant fitness next time. Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness, yes. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, I thought tonight it was like a really great show in principle to like build up to a card. I just think, I, I'm really curious like what kind of interest level there is for WrestleMania this year with, you know, I think the presentation of it has a lot of people kind of checked out of it. But on the other hand, I mean, I don't know if you saw today, like ESPN, they're doing like a lot of, like profiles on guys and interviews. They've got those WrestleManias airing on ESPN. And I wonder how much ESPN pushes the show this week uh, in terms of, you know, kind of working with WWE and does this become, um, 
you know, a focused upon show and they advertise it heavily. I feel like you'll see like pretty decent engagement just because people are looking for fresh content right now and there's not that much uh, out there. Mm. You know, the question is how satisfying I think that those experiences will be, how good of a quality of these shows will be. I feel like a lot of curiosity will be there for Saturday. Will that lead into Sunday? Yeah, know. it's um, yeah, it's tough. And, you know, that that first night, it's I, I almost think like going going long on Saturday would be a detriment that you don't want to you don't want to burn people out on the first night in the, in this environment, like leave them wanting more for the second night, which is partially why I could see them kind of loading up the second night with Brock and Drew, Edge and Orton and Cena, maybe. Yeah. Um. And then maybe the first night, like you give them like AJ and Taker, Shane mm-hmm. and Becky and um, Owens and Rollins as your big matches and then some other stuff to to fill out the show. But and Gronk. Gronk will be, uh, he's both nights. So, I mean, you can look forward to that. Um, yeah. So that's coming up this weekend. I'm sure we'll talk about uh, WrestleMania plenty uh, coming up this week. So again, we've got Rewind Away dropping on Tuesday night for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Also Tuesday on the site, Andrew Thompson will have a new interview up with MLW middleweight champion, Myron Reed, uh, that you'll want to check out as well. So uh, lots of great stuff this week at postwrestling.com. We hope many of you tune in live and free. It is the Cafe Grande Hangout Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern time at youtube.com slash postwrestling. Go over there, subscribe to the channel, and we hope that you will call in or submit a question on Thursday. We will do our best to get to every single person on the Grande Hangout. Lovely. Look forward to it. Good night, everybody. We'll speak with you Tuesday.